Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. From WBEZ Chicago, I'm Greta Johnson, and this is the Nerdette Book Club. It's just like a regular book club, except you don't have to leave your house or read the book in time or really participate at all. This month's book is a moody Irish murder mystery called The Searcher. It's by Tana French, and it's a fish-out-of-water story about a retired American detective or police officer who moves to rural Western Ireland and can't shrug off his law enforcement past. If you haven't read the book yet and you do not want spoilers, you should listen to my interview with Tana French, which is already in the feed and it is totally spoiler free. If you haven't read the book and you want to know everything that happened, you are in the right place. Also, obviously, it would be cool if you have read the book. Our panel this month is a pretty great one. We have Sarah Vowell, who you might know from her great historical books or essay collections or contributions to This American Life, or even as the voice of Violet in the Incredibles Pixar movies. Sarah, hey. Hello. So I know you have some some spoiler concerns and we're going to get to them. But first, I would like to introduce our second panelist, comedian Maeve Higgins, who wrote a, a memoir called Maeve in America. She is often funnier than Peter Seigel on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. <laughs> Maeve, hey. Hi, Greg. I feel like I can say that since Peter and I are friends. Hi, Sarah. <laughs> Hi, Maeve. So Maeve, you're actually in Ireland right now, right? Yeah. So, yeah, you're bringing some, like, genuine authenticity to this conversation, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I've been doing, like, this Irish character for a while now, so I've completely committed and I've actually come to Ireland. Where in Ireland are you from, Maeve? Uh, it's called Cove, down south. It's um, it's the last place Titanic stopped, is how some people know it. Oh, wow. The last port of call um, for the Lusitania also. Ooh. <laughs> tragic maritime history wow wow okay Greta, can i just ask Maeve one question before we of ask? course of course please what is in the book so the main character is american and he's yeah. hanging out in ireland and people who are going grocery shopping in ireland call it the messages yes is that it's real going to get the messages yeah that's accurate going to get the messages that's i'm going to get some bread and milk <laughs> yeah what's that about <laughs> I don't know because it's not like we understand that the groceries are not communicating with us it's not <laughs> it doesn't mean it is confusing then when people are like did you get the message and you're like oh there's peanut butter here there's right <laughs> bananas like is it because you used to leave notes for people at the grocery store maybe like back in the day oh that's actually a really that could be it because I mean, like in small towns all around the world, there's a, there's lots of places where like just one little store serves, you know, mm-hmm. it's the funeral parlor and it's the right. pub and it's, you know, so maybe it's something like that. It's like, I must get the messages from like my dad who's in the war and also some soda bread or something. Huh. So Every bread. time I open my pantry door, I wish they had news for me, you know, <laughs> the maple syrup. <laughs> 
So, Sarah, <laughs> I I feel like we need to discuss the spoiler situation because yeah. mm-hmm. um, we have talked about this. I don't know if we've talked about it at length quite yet, but I think we're about to. Um, normally in this episode, this is the, you know, as I said at the top, there's that little disclaimer about like spoilers are cool. Like uh, my intention today at least was to like tell the people who died and how or whether said person died. See, I already kind of spoiled things um, <laughs> with the idea that like people either don't care or do care and have either have already read the book. Mm. How do you feel about that, Sarah? I mean, as I mentioned to you, I assume some of the listeners to this will be Americans, which means they will not have read the book. And what if we're so scintillating, we can sell the heck out of this book, but we've ruined it for people. So they're, they're like in this like conundrum where I really want to li- read this book, but they did wreck it. Maybe it's more about the journey than the spoiler. It's you know? called a mystery, Greta. <laughs> but do you think it's like, would you read it if you knew the ending, Sarah, or or you wouldn't bother? Hmm. I mean, no, there's a lot that happens. Mm. I would still read it, I think. I think maybe because I watch a fair amount of cable news where they just say the same thing over and over again. Mm. And the idea that there's some still some form out there where you don't know what's going to happen. It's a kind of like innocence plot innocence is the the only innocence we have i mean i totally get it like i don't read the blurb on the back of the book because i feel like it gives away too much about a book really oh yeah totally because you know sometimes that'll even color like how you like i want complete plot innocence but in this case for (laughs) well for everyone i want to preserve plot innocence for people who also are concerned about such things but for people who aren't i'm like all right come on down let's do this i'm going to tell you everything what if um i go get a hammer oh dear and every time one of you is about to ruin this for the readers i just start like hammering (laughs) what if we bleeped all the actual spoilers (laughs) okay that's fine or like played some elevator music over it you'd be okay with that yeah You could just sing really loudly. (laughs) Okay, so uh, I don't think it's too spoilery to say this book is about Cal. As I mentioned, he's a former Chicago cop. He moves to Western Ireland Ireland, to fix up an old house. He looks at birds a lot. Uh, He meets a kid, Trey. Um, I'm about to do this, Sarah. Are you ready? I think that's enough what you just said right there, Greta. (laughs) (laughs) Good night, everybody. Okay, so he meets a kid named Trey. (laughs) That person is obsessed with finding out what happened to that person's brother, whose name is Brendan, and disappeared like a year-ish ago. Cal also has a busybody neighbor named Mart, who really loves cookies. There's a town pub and some sort of, like, Irish moonshine equivalent. There is the one grocery store. There's a lot of gossip. And there are some dead sheep. That's sort of my, like, I don't know, 30-second summary of this book. Did I miss anything significant? Cal is like the anti-Mave, an Irish woman who moved to New York City. That's very true. <laughs> yeah, he. we did a swap, actually. That was the citizen swap. And then they said, okay, you want to go over there? We have plenty ethically questionable Chicago PD members, and we'll send them to go and live in like some dump in Ireland. I do like, I mean, to be semi-serious about you know this genre of fiction there's this sub-genre of because like one of the problems the author always faces is there's a crime 
And mm-hmm. am I going to have an official crime solver, like someone from the FBI or a cop or whatever, a detective solve this? Or am I going to have some citizen solve the crime? And there's this subgenre of retired cops. And there's <laughs> yeah. an even more specific subgenre of retired cops in the hinterlands. Mm-hmm. The great thing about this kind of character is they have skills but fewer rules. Yes, that is helpful. But then sure. on the other hand, they have fewer resources. Yeah, like th- this guy keeps, well, he mentions a few times, oh, if I had the tech guys, they could look at Facebook. <laughs> but I don't have them. There is this kind of ongoing uh, shtick where he he keeps wanting to use his gun. Yes, he does Irish miss his gun. people are like, seriously, bro? You don't do yeah. that around here. Maeve, have you read other Tana French books? Yeah, it was funny that this is the one. I was so glad when you asked me to do this one because I watched a TV show of uh, the Dublin murders, which was Mm -hmm. um, books that she wrote. And like the thing about Tana French that is, you know, kind of amazing is that like nobody knows about her in Ireland. And she's this huge hit author. Yeah, like we here in Ireland, everyone's a writer, blah, blah, blah. And so there's a lot of like snobbery around, you know, well, I only like writers who write in Irish and who are actually poets. And so this lady, okay, fine. Do your mystery, have great plots. Like, oh, the Americans are loving it. So I feel like she doesn't get her dues. She's a fantastic writer. But so anyway, sorry, so I hadn't read her, but then I saw the TV show. I was like, this is brilliant. And then I read her other book, The Witch Elm, and it was really mm-hmm. spooky and really distracting and cool. Yeah. So, Sarah, what about you? Have you read any other ton of books? I think I've read them all. I generally read these kind of books. For my job writing about history and politics, I have to read a lot of really, really boring nonfiction books. And I used to think I read these kind of murder books as an escape and then I realize it's just some loner trying to figure out what happened with dead people. <laughs> My exact job. I was going to say, that sounds a lot like. But I really like, I mean, I love geography. And so um, I like her books. There, I, I mean, a lot of these books, the reason I like the genre is there's a sense of place. Yes. Yeah. yeah the sense of place is always super strong, especially in Tana's books. And I was curious, I mean, I have never actually been to Western Ireland, but Maeve, like, as a person who maybe does know the actual real life place, at least better than I assume Sarah and I do, did it work? This is the first book she's written outside of Dublin, I think. And Mm -hmm. yeah, she absolutely nailed it. I actually listened to the audio of this book when I came back and I was in, in quarantine and it was like the perfect thing to listen to the, all the different types of rain that she describes and like the different skies and I, I wasn't in the west of Ireland at that time but it was a really cool I think introduction back to Ireland if you you know if it's your first time and that sense of place in this book really really got to me and the way she describes the wildlife and how it's just happening it's like humans are just another species you know it's not like okay there's people and then like everything else is happening you know beneath them you know the rooks and the foxes and all of that it was just so is a rook a raven yeah it's I think it's a it's in that family yeah it's like in the crow raven magpie kind of I think they're all cousins I really identified with that because I live in Montana 
Mm. And I just live in a town, but there's there are so many critters around here. Like <laughs> there's this wild rabbit that keeps jumping up on my porch and you know jumps in my neighbor's engine block. And and I always feel like the Yellowstone super volcano is about to go off if the magpies are like having a tizzy and <laughs> And then there are just the willows and the aspens. And I just feel like another creature here in a way that makes me feel insignificant in a good way. So you do find that because, yeah, I feel like there is like a comforting insignificance and then a devastating insignificance. But you find it comforting in this instance. Yeah. If you like books with rabbits, (laughs) rabbits. I thought you weren't going to do spoilers. (laughs) (laughs) With this book in particular, Tana talked a lot about how she was really curious about the the Western genre, the genre of the Western when she wrote this, which, you know, is usually an American story, right? Of like going to, I don't know, you could maybe even say a Montana and, you know, sort of like the sheriff comes to town kind of story or the stranger comes to town. Um, did that did that work for you? Did you did you notice that either of you? Yeah. And I. Even his name, like Cal Hooper. And there's all these scenes of like people in doorways with like being silhouetted and they're holding a rifle or like there's that cool scene where not to give anything, but, you know, where (laughs) there's like a standoff almost or like they're barricaded in the house and like um, they have to, Lena stays up all night, like in a chair with a gun on her lap, like looking out at the sky, That's all of true. that. And it's like a one horse town and he doesn't know, like, you know, who the good guys are and who the bad and guys what are. The rules are. Yeah, yeah. I think that's really cool. So we uh, got some voicemails from listeners who have already read the book and who enjoyed it and who have opinions. Let's listen to a couple. Here is Michelle. Hey, Nerdette. It's Michelle in Seattle. I liked Tana French's The Searcher, but I got to tell you, the pacing on it was just a little too leisurely for me. You know, if you didn't read the blurb, it took until page 79 to set the table and get the main players on the board. And by that point, I was like, all right, we just need to get on with it here. The other thing is that Cal didn't really read as a former Chicago detective to me. I think if you pick a city that specific, it needs to tie back either in his backstory or in how he investigates the case or something. Otherwise, it could just be any city. So thanks for this pick. I don't know that I would have naturally gravitated to it myself, but I'm happy I read it. Thanks. So what did you all think about the pacing? Did it work for you, Sarah? I mean, a rural setting is not going to be quite as action-packed as a big city serial killer type book you know (laughs) I mean he moved there for a quiet pace of country life and the book Mm -hmm. does reflect that it really does I mean even just those first couple pages about the rooks right it's like oh okay like we're doing this I mean sometimes (laughs) living in it ever since I moved away from big major cities I am drawn to other kinds of stories, you know, because when you live in those cities, uh, it's almost becomes very provincial uh, because you have to seek out stories like this, you know, Mm. set somewhere slow, somewhere out there. You got to go to the grocery store to get messages. Yeah. People buy their own (laughs) cookies, you know. (laughs) The, like, I Mark cookies subplot does, you know, it comes around and around. <laughs> it, it does amble along and it is 
meandering but it's none of it is really wasted I don't think and Mm -mm, as well like the way she draws out especially Mart who's like the gossipy neighbor like that's Mm. the way he tells stories too like it takes a really long time to get to the it's a yarn yeah yes and like enjoys it and like teases it and is like this kind of sideways talker and I like the way she I mean the whole book is almost like that right and then at the close to the end it, it turns out that like Lena kind of maybe knew it the whole time you know yeah but she's just like I mind my own business like best of luck mm-hmm. with everything so maybe a lot of people already had solved the mystery but we're just like keeping quiet about it and so it just takes him a really long time to just get to like the base level of where the community is <laughs> right so Maeve you mentioned that it seems like other characters in the book knew what happened uh, before Cal did. Did either of you know what happened before it was revealed in this book? Sarah, did you have a sense of like where it was going to go, what was going to happen? I mean, I didn't know, but that was what, what happened was one of the possibles. The The way the thing that happened happened. No, I didn't know that. What about you, Maeve? <laughs> As vaguely as possible. <laughs> yeah, I did. I had no idea that like, so it's a, basically like a missing person story, right? And they're not sure yeah. if he's missing or if he's dead or or what's happened mm-hmm. to this to this kid's big brother. And like, I guess I just assumed he must have been dead just because I don't know. Like, she always writes murder mysteries, and right. it would only be kind of good. Like, can you imagine if just he had just like moved to Dublin? <laughs> the end. <laughs> he just had set up like a little coffee shop he's like oh oh I changed my number sorry (laughs) and then uh, there's all this stuff about like rabbits and rooks and everything what happens I mean because like in a lot of these like little towns yeah there and I like that aspect of the story where that character Lena she mentions who's kind of like a a love interest she's just like I just mind my own business and stay out of this and she's also very aware of the rumor mill and she doesn't want to be the subject of it you know mm-hmm. so there's something secretive about those rural cultures it's mm-hmm. one reason they live out there they're secretive people they're mm-hmm. private mm-hmm. people I wondered about that like it was funny how she was introduced because it was sort of like okay well this single 47 year old American has moved to the neighborhood and like well here's a widow and she just happens to be like the sister of the shopkeeper so instantly everyone is like so you two are obviously (laughs) going to get together and neither of them they don't seem to have chemistry really it's just like this inevitability because they're both like available and seemingly straight she doesn't actually seem to be attracted to him and he seems to think like Oh, if I made a move, I could have uh-huh, her. But uh-huh. it's like, you have no evidence <laughs> <laughs> of that. Uh, let's listen to another voicemail. This is Cher. Hey, Nerdette. It's Cher from Virginia Beach. I want to say I love this podcast, the Goodreads account, the Facebook group. Love what you do in this world, Greta. Oh. I'm calling regarding The Searcher by Tana French. Uh, I'm a big fan of the Dublin Murder Squad novels, and uh, unpopular opinion, I did not really enjoy the experience of The Witch Elm. It was really well written and intriguing, but the sense of 
depressive dread and moral murkiness really overwhelmed me. The searcher, on the other hand, felt lighter and clearer in comparison. Uh, with Cal being a protagonist I could really have faith in and trace someone I could root for. It may have been in a way too light and too clear, um, or maybe my frame of reference has changed, I don't know. In any case, I could see The Searcher as the start of a cozy mystery series, but in a way that isn't really what I expect when it comes to Tana French, so I don't really think we'll see that, but either way, I look forward to her next book and to your next podcast. Thanks so much. That's an interesting one, because I I feel like there's still a lot of murkiness in this story. It's interesting. When you were in Dublin, did you go to this exhibition called Kingship and Sacrifice, either of you? It's of bog bodies, like bodies that were found what? in the bog. Really? No. Oh, I've seen pictures of those and then read those. The, was it Seamus Haney who wrote poems about them? Yeah, like they're incredible. They, they're found all over Europe, I think. But Ireland does have this type of peat that really p- does preserve bodies. And often they would be sacrificed to these old kings and um, these strange things like their nipples would be cut off because <laughs> sucking the nipples of a king was a way of submitting to him. So they were like, ha now you don't have any. So now you can't be the king. Also, now we're going to kill you. <laughs> and then they also found like preserved butter. And like, so the bog does hold on to things. That's the incredible thing. And, and of course, mm. there's a history that Seamus Heaney writes about too of, you know, the missing, all the missing people in Ireland from the years of the troubles and you know the paramilitaries who hid bodies so all of those echoes of all of that I thought but she she just did it very beautifully and kind of very respectfully I think yeah I loved how she handled that in this genre you know like uh Vegas the desert is like that there are all these bodies outside of Vegas Mm -hmm. or there's always that trope of do we call the cops or do we call an archaeologist? Like how long has mm. this dead person mm. been dead? You know, mm-hmm. I wonder too, like, um, you know, the caller share was saying, Oh, this could be the start of a, um, you know, a mystery series. And like Tana French has done that in the past. She's taken a secondary yeah. character and written a book. And they do mention this other body that was found in the, in the Bogland years previously, I think like Mart's mm. father or something, found an older body and and said look I'm not going to call anyone I'm just going to bury him again and leave him in peace and just didn't just didn't get into it you know and that's that's the thing too to picture the characters still living there and the kids still living there and they know their neighbors are not what they seem but that's what people do though like that's right that's just like where else will you go right yeah More about The Searcher in just a minute. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to the Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. 
More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Let's listen to another voicemail. Here is Liz. So this was my first Todd French book, and I can easily say that it's not going to be my last. Um, I finished it and immediately put it on my husband's stack of books because I think he's really going to enjoy it too. So I really appreciate the introduction to a new author that is not new at all, which means I get a huge backlist. I think my favorite part of this is the fact that it's a mystery that really isn't about the mystery. I also really liked um, the look backs that Cal kept going on through his head. It was really interesting to be listening to a murder or reading a murder mystery. Um, That was so much more about the past of someone else than it was about the actual murder that occurred. Liz also followed up with a pretty hilarious email that said that apparently Amazon has categorized the searcher as a witch slash wizard thriller. (laughs) What? And so she kept expecting certain characters to maybe end up being witches (laughs) because she like, (laughs) I just think it's so hilarious to picture like reading this book and the entire time being like, Where's the magic? If that were me and I were kind of French, I would be pleased with that because there's a whole, my nephew's one of those readers, the witch wizard things. Mm-hmm. She could be getting a whole bunch of new readers <laughs> who will be disappointed, but some of them might stick, you know? Yeah, no refund. Or at least they'll be a little confused. <laughs> so Sarah, you mentioned that as a big reader of mystery novels, an interesting setting is like an important thing to have. Uh, it seems to me like also a great cast of characters is good, um, which I think this book totally does. Mm-hmm. Um, I always appreciate a mystery that I'm actually interested in following. I can't decide if this book fulfilled that for me. One thing in terms of the other, all the ancillary characters, one thing this genre kind of depends, it's sort of the the kindness of strangers sort of thing as the, whoever's trying to unravel the mystery, they meet all these different people trying to figure out what happened. You know, like, I mean, one of the, one of the comic characters in this is, it's the actual cop. Um, who's like that kind of a Yahoo like eating cake that kind of uh, sustained me a lot those characters you know yeah I mean I with all the secondary characters even when they were funny like Noreen in the shop who was like really gossipy or that cop who was like eating chocolate cake I, I still was like are they actually menacing though because you know Mark the neighbor also seemed to be not really have an agenda apart from just being like a little bit annoying and just wanting these cookies. But then there's this like underlying sense of menace from these like Irish country characters that is so Mm -hmm. real and so sinister. So even when I couldn't fully relax, even when I knew like, uh, even when I was like, Oh, it's supposed to be kind of a cartoon of a person, but I was just like, but maybe they know something or they're pointing him in the wrong direction or something. There's also a class issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, like there's a class and poverty issue, mm-hmm. which happens, you know, in rural areas. And and the kid who uh, keeps turning up at Cal's house, he clearly, he comes from, you know, a home where his dad's gone and his mom has a lot of kids and not a lot of money and, and all the problems that come with that. And, and then there's the, question of is the kid going to school you know which has a lot more weight in a 
to a poor kid. Like education is the way forward, you know? So all of these class issues add this element, like higher stakes, I think. You're yeah. talking about Trey, the kid, and we actually had a voicemail mm-hmm. about Trey. Let's listen. Here's Claire. I was really trying to get this whole book read before the book club, but apparently I am running last minute on my homework as it was in college. But I did want to bring up something that like really stuck out to me. Um, One thing that I really, really liked was the conversation that Cal has with Trey. It was really interesting to hear how he felt that someone who didn't have amazing manners could still have morals and I think that that was a really cool theme throughout that Cal just kept coming back to his code um, especially when they started talking about the incident in his past that really solidified him leaving the police force um, and how the reason that he left was because he couldn't determine where his code started and stopped and so I just really felt that that was a really good theme throughout the book. So thank you so much. It does seem like I think any good mystery really like well occupies that moral gray area, but it does seem like there's especially a lot in this book. I mean, one the Trey Cal relationship is at the heart of the book and, and, you know, it's one of sort of mentorship. And Hmm. I mean, there's one scene where Cal is teaching Trey how to shoot. He, He has, um, He's somehow gone through the Irish bureaucracy and gotten the permit to have a hunting rifle. And he's teaching uh, uh, Trey how to shoot it and how to hunt rabbit and everything. And, And that scene was so American to me. And also there's something I think when, especially people who live in cities who aren't around a lot of gun nuts uh, don't understand about, how hard it is to pass gun control is that fundamental it's usually father son but it's like father kid and hunting and teaching the kids how to how to hunt how to use a gun that's sometimes the most emotional experience they have with their fathers and it it like is right at this kind of freudian heart of the gun culture and the way like Trey is so excited about, you know, learning how to use the gun and, and all the steps that you go through and teaching the safety and everything. And uh, I don't know, you don't really see that many scenes like that, that capture that, that I think in America is a very deep uh, archetypal experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he had gotten it from his grandfather, right? Like he had shot a rabbit first with his Yes. grandfather back in the states and it was um yeah the class thing is so real and also it took an outsider right to think oh actually Trey is a person and like Trey and their family are all actually people but like people in the neighborhood were just like oh look at those like raggedy kids up there right. like they're not right. yeah. you know they can't just, be helped yeah. yeah, that's horrible. They then they look down the people who live farther up the mountain. There's always like some other who's just a little bit more savage than the civilized folk. Mm-hmm. But I mean, there is this really maybe it's Mart where they're talking about the difference between the young women and the young men, and like usually the young women can 
you know, they'll get an education or get a plan or they'll move to Dublin or whatever. And, and the young men, they're like stuck in their dreams and their video games. And, and it's much harder for them to have a proper adult life. No, that struck me too. And I do think that's like, it's, it's all around the world. And um, if you look at like the suicide statistics, you know, it's like eight out of 10 suicides are young men, at least in Ireland. And I think that, you know, the loss that they feel that they're not really able to cope with is, is something really worth exploring. And also like, it's, it's amazing here because here in rural Ireland, it's, you know, three hours away it's the European headquarters of Google of Amazon of like Ireland has this funny like extremely open to the world like globalized you know huge economic powerhouse but then it also has all of these um small farms and kind of lost men so I think this book kind of gets the balance right of like what a strange time it is like in this particular country and in communities like the one that she has you know she's invented it but it seems very real yeah it seemed like that was one of the stronger themes was sort of the I don't know the difficulty of modern day life I think especially for men especially in rural places of just like figuring out what your foothold is when you know, the farm isn't as much of an option as it, as it might've been several generations ago. There is some, that is one of the like weaknesses of this genre is, but like, I love the um, Scandinavian uh, mysteries and, you know, like Henning Minkel, the Swedish writer. And there's such a large murder rate in these rural Swedish towns. <laughs> you know, which, like, what do they have in Sweden? Like three murders a year or something, yeah. but yeah, to keep these uh, small town Swedish murder cops employed, you know, they're just like old people being, you know, ravaged by immigrants, like every other mile or something, you know. Every Tuesday, there's yeah. a horrifying murder. Once- like, uh, you know, and I mean, the one thing I do like about those as an American is every single time there's a murder in those Northern European novels, the cop is just crestfallen and shaken, you know, <laughs> the one said in LA, it's like, oh, look, it's another body. Another one, right. Like, Oof. they're a little more blase about death in America. Yeah, American, like, cop shows are always just like, are you getting the tacos first? Like, it's like, <laughs> someone ha- is eating breakfast. Yeah. And then like pops on a pair of gloves or whatever. Whereas the Swedish ones, it's always like, what does this mean for social democracy? (laughs) Oh my goodness. That's hilarious. (laughs) So we're running out of time. Um, I like to ask panelists to rate the book that we've just read on a completely arbitrary rating system. I feel like this time we should do rooks. One out of Mm. 10 rooks. 10 being the best, one being the worst, because you want more, as many rooks as possible in this context. Um, Sarah, what do you think? How many rooks would you give the searcher? Well, I don't want to do that, but <laughs> what are you going to do, Greta? Fire me? Um, no, I'm not. No, you can say you don't want to. I say, I think like to, you should, if you're starting fresh with her, with Tonbridge, you should start with the first book, which was it called In the Woods? Yeah. I think you should start there. I don't think you should start with this one. 
this book is great for people who like her and her world she's created. I don't know if it's the best entry point into that world. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, I think you're totally right. What do you, what do you think, Maeve? Will you rate the book based on Rooks or would you also like to reject my system? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I would just say 10 Rooks, you know, it's, imagine how hard this book was to write. Oh my God. I would say definitely read it if you're thinking about buying a holiday home in <laughs> in Ireland. It was like uh, from it's like the Irish version of what was like uh, under the Tuscan sun. <laughs> eat pray, eat pray, shoot. <laughs> all, all the food is terrible. I know. It's eat pray, bog. Food is shocking. Yeah. <laughs> The the house is crummy. The weather sucks. Like one of the highlights is he actually gets to buy a washing machine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think I agree, though, that I don't think I would give it 10 rooks. I think I'm maybe at like eight. I don't think it's her best book. It's not my favorite of her books. But I am always thrilled when she comes out with a book and I will continue to read every single one of them and be delighted. So, you know, I'm not mad about it. (laughs) Oh, well, I'm so glad that you like, you know, assigned us this as homework. It was the most fun homework I've had for sure. Well, thanks for reading a whole entire book and talking to me about it. I feel like we did a pretty good job on spoilers, actually, Sarah. Yeah, I'm really proud of you guys. (laughs) You ruiners. Maeve Higgins and Sarah Vowell, what excellent panelists. We will announce what our January book club pick is on the 1st of January, which this year is a Friday. You can find that if you join our Facebook group, which is at facebook.com slash groups slash HQ, or you can follow us on Instagram. We are at nerdatpodcast. The show is produced by me along with Justin Bull and our executive producer is Brendan Banasak. And we will see you for a book club in 2021. I know, right? It's crazy. It's crazy. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.